Welcome to the Artist Academy podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Earhart, and by popular demand, we are expanding the subject of murals throughout the entire summer. Yep, all summer long, you'll hear from master muralists to learn the tips to creating a thriving business, painting large scale. I have handpicked each interviewee based on their expansive knowledge of the mural industry so that you can learn from the absolute best. Plus, I'm throwing in some of my own mural tips within solo episodes, and if that isn't enough, I've created a full training for you all about how to grow your art business quickly using murals like I have. If you're listening this summer and thinking, okay, let me see what this mural thing is all about. Or if you're wondering if you could even create large scale paintings too, then go to artistacademy.co to learn how you can start making money in the mural biz. (laughs) The majority of my income comes from murals and I want to help you get started too because I know how profitable they can be. You'll go to artistacademy.co to claim your free training. And I hope you're having a fabulous summer. (laughs) This week's episode features not one, but two seasoned muralists, Linda and Roberto. This duo has worked together for many, many years on many, many different projects throughout their lifetime mural careers. They have been doing this mural thing so long that while they were explaining projects and what year they painted them and just reminiscing back on old time stories, I was thinking, oh, uh, was I born yet? Yeah, okay, I was a toddler when they completed that job. Like, this was all in my head while they were explaining it. (laughs) And we chat about what it's like being an artist for hire and riding the wave of the industry, busy, not busy, working for other artists, to stories about how they took on giant projects of their own. (laughs) They have a lifetime of knowledge in the mural industry, and I definitely plan to have them back someday to talk maybe about something more specific that you guys might want to hear from them. But for now, this is a broad overview of the many years that they have had painting murals. (laughs) Let me know what you think about this week's episode with Linda and Roberto. Hello, we are on here with Linda and Roberto, and I'm so excited to get to know you guys because I've heard your names so many times in the mural world from so many different muralists, and I'm finally putting a face to a name and just checking out your art before this. It's just so cool. So I'm so excited to get to know you guys a little bit more, but can you tell the Artist Academy students here a little bit more about you and how you got into the arts? Give us the rundown of who you are and what you do. Okay. (laughs) In, in, we've been in this industry for a long time, almost 45 years. And we both start, well, okay, I started as an apprentice. Roberta was born a master, so it's hard to apply that title to him ever being less than a master because really he was a child prodigy. And Really? We, yeah, really. If you looked at some of his work that he still has from when he was 10, it would blow you away. He's just always been super talented. And it, it always goes back to the philosophical question of, did he ever really have a choice to be anything else? Because when you think about it, we've all had made the choice to do the struggle. 
but he was thrust into it when he was still in high school, into the professional mural world. And the expectations for him to keep doing that are relentless, even from his wife, who nags him to paint <laughs> when he does it. But we're from Southern California, and we both got jobs in studios that painted murals for primarily the restaurant industry and hotel lobbies and spaces like that. And we had very generous people that we worked for and with. And we were there for several years, not over long, but Roberto stayed in the studio system longer than I did. I jumped out on my own a little bit earlier. So ask me questions that would guide me to tell you how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you started painting murals for restaurants and like the commercial stuff, and you well, it, painted it was, for it someone else? A, it was in a studio, yeah. It's a traditional studio like you imagine, where there's a master artist and there's a staff or crew of people that are painting big murals all day long. And you're working with a lot of senior artists in there and they're very generous with their knowledge because the goal of course is to produce a successful product and do it fast get it out and make money it's a business so that's what we did wow and how long were you in that how long were each of you in that i was in a studio system for two years before i started jumping around Oh my God, all the journey and the pathways that we take, it's so convoluted. Left that, went and worked for another company that Southern California, because the housing industry is so vigorous, especially in the 70s and the 80s, they would do model homes. There's thousands of model homes being created all the time. So designers would hire you to put custom artwork in model homes. Did that for a couple of years. Then once this happens a lot, studios, they'll slow down when the economy fluxes. So when they would slow down and you would get laid off. So Roberto would get laid off or somebody else would get laid off and I would get a job somewhere. I worked for a company that did murals and signage after a while. And I'd say, come on, Roberto, come over here and work over here. So kind of move around from job to job all the time. And that was a little bit, felt like a safer system if you could find a place to fit in with a group, because you always had work until the economy fluxes. When they would slow you down, everybody slows down. And that's hard on people. It's hard on the people that are employing you, and it's hard on artists trying to support and raise a family. So, I don't know, what do you think? We went to paint in place. Yeah. We were Santos <clears throat> Studio, Marvrem Studio, the art company, Paint and Place. This is all in Southern California. Yeah, it, it, I, I was 16 when uh, I was introduced to Marvrem, LA's finest muralist. And I went to work for his former partner, Phil Santos, where I met Linda. Then we went to work for Painting Place and other places. And eventually you always wind up on your own. You get an education and you wind up on your own, your, your own studio, your own clients. Yep. And you, you have to go from one to the other. It, nothing lasts forever. We've learned this the hard way. You think you're so happy with this client and something happens and they're out of business and five restaurants close. So 
you're thinking, I'm going to be doing restaurants for the next five years and they go out of business. Trends happen where, where everybody will want a hand-painted mural and then they'll want wallpaper, inkjet print wallpaper. So things change, they go in cycles, it, it, it comes back, it goes away. It's, it's life. You learn to roll with it. In, in terms of the legacy of your artwork, it's the most impermanent industry to be in. If you have any vanity whatsoever about a mural you painted 25 or 30 years ago, forget it, it's gone. It's been removed six times. Yeah, so this, <laughs> this is, I'm, I'm not kidding. You can do a building, it, it, let's say it's a restaurant, it, it's an Italian Mediterranean theme, you marbleize, you have columns, you have the, the Mediterranean uh, sea mural, and it, it goes out of business, and then it's a steakhouse. So then you start painting Southwest landscapes and cowboys and cows, and then it goes out of business. And now it's a, a 50s diner. Yeah, a 50s diner. So you're doing the Elvis Presley, the 57 Chevy, the American graffiti theme. And then that goes out of business. And then the, it'll be the same building. It'll be the same building. It, it, we, we've seen it before. Yeah, uh, we, it, we've done the same building several times for chains and owners restaurant owners will change their focus or their interest and they keep hiring us which is good it's good for longevity it's good to have work that's the crux of the whole problem and is to be able to pay the electric bill for 45 years and unfortunately we haven't been married for 45 years. We've been married for about 30 years, but, but we were married to other people in the beginning. But it seems... And don't, that, don't let that sound like anybody was in an affair or anything. Roberto's wife died. Okay, then, then I had an opportunity that I really wasn't seeking. But I was seeking someone to help me work on a project I had in Springfield. And, and that's when we started having this kind of a relationship. But it... it Springfield has been really good to us. Yeah, I, I met Linda when I was 18. And and I wasn't yeah, 18. She, she was 10 years older than me, but now she's only eight years older than me. <laughs> <laughs> I love a good love story. This is awesome. What brought you to Springfield? So there's a lot of California. So what brought you to my kids were becoming teenagers and at the time it was in the it was in the 90s it was i bought this farm in 1990 so it was late 80s the 90s and it was real problematic there were lots of gangs and things like that going on and we didn't really live in like orange county the way orange county really is <laughs> you know we lived in orange county people of modest means lived and it put us in in less prosperous circumstances. And uh, my brother lived in Springfield and he always raved about how he loved the Midwest. He loved Springfield. And I came here to visit him and I don't know, just started looking around the cost of living, the opportunity, how you could extend your dollar, especially real estate wise. So I <laughs> moved here and my kids were thrilled and happy. And for all of us, it was a good move. And my first impulse was if I have to get a real job, which basically I've never had, 
and go to work like normal people do and not be an artist, maybe the trade-off is going to be worthwhile for their well-being to be in a better circumstance. And, but before I moved here, I solicited a designer in Springfield that I saw a newspaper article about. And by the time I moved here, because I, I owned the farm for a little bit before I moved here, because I had a lot of work commitments still in California. I contacted her and said, I'm going to be here in February. And oh my God, I hit the ground running working with her. And she was a very lovely person. And we worked together for about three years. Roberto came and, and it happens. You start getting an opportunity for independent products, products, projects, excuse me. I meant independent projects. And I needed Roberto. I didn't need him to, but it's so fun to work together because we worked together for so many years. I said, hey, I got this great project. He was driving from Florida to California and he stopped for lunch. And I said, hey, you want to jump in on this? It's going to be like so cool and so much fun. And that project was the Children's Village at Cox South. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It came uh -huh. down in 20, it, it came down in 2016. It was at the pediatric ward at Cox South for 25 years. So it, it was 35 murals in the pediatric ward at Cox South. And it was there for 25 years. And it was a really heartfelt, fun project that we did together. It raised a lot of money for charity too. Over, and we got paid for it, of course. That's awesome. How did you yeah. get into contact with Bass Pro? You painted for Bass Pro, right? Because that's how I know <laughs> of you guys. We did. We sent that. We, I tried for years to find the right contact person there. And finally, we created a little portfolio. We did paper portfolios, which I know everybody does digital portfolios now. And we sent them a little file, probably had 25 projects in it, just photos of them and a cover sheet. And, and you know, after a while, after a year or so, ah, they just threw that in a round file. It's frustrating to try to get in over there. And three years later, someone called. <laughs> Uh, what had happened? So, uh, so it their, took quite a while to get in yeah, there. Company artist or staff artist, I think she retired and they, they needed somebody to paint murals. So we were sent to Dallas to do a mural, maybe 10 by 20. And we did that in a week, came home and we got a call from Bass Pro and says, they, they said, go, uh, we, we want you in, what, Savannah? Mm -hmm. We want you in Savannah tomorrow. And we had just come home and done laundry. So we went to Savannah, we were there a few weeks, come back, and then they wanted us to go, what, New York, Buffalo, no, Finger I think, Lakes? I think it was uh, Louisiana. Louisiana. Bossier. So, yeah, so, near Shreveport. Yeah. So. Across the river from... from, from anyway, it, it never stopped. It never stopped. We did 25 stores for them. And it never stopped until it did stop. And unfortunately, that was... What happened in 2008 could never have been anticipated with the economy. And everything stopped in 2008. And we left there at the end of 2007. And because we had an opportunity to move right on over to Cabela's, except when the economy crashed, the opportunity disappeared. Yeah. We went 
to work for Cabela's in 2012. And our boss from Bass Pro was working at Cabela's and he hired us. And, and the first store we did for them was Louisville. What I liked about Cabela's was that they gave us the entire store. You didn't have 10, 20 artists and lettermen and wallpaper hangers, all these different styles and levels of quality in the same store. When you're looking at something that is so bad and it's on the wall and you can't do anything about it because it's not yours. And they would give us the entire store. We would go and paint the back wall on site and everything else was done on canvas. So we would be painting murals 12 feet high, 40, 50 feet wide, and there would be six, eight, ten in the clear story. And then there would be some other ones, yeah, I, 120 foot mural, 12 feet high over in hunting. Yeah, what he's not saying is that all of the other murals other than the back wall, the, the mount wall, we did in studio. Yeah. So we got to stay home. Yeah. And we hadn't been home for so many years. And it, it's, oh my God, it's it, working in studio is such a luxury item. You, you have air conditioning, you have your music, you have a television. You have all your reference, you have a lit, you have all of the luxuries and none of the stresses of somebody's putting that toxic sealer on the floor under you. We would be which, painting. Which is really dangerous, yeah. actually. We would be painting facing a wall like this. And behind us, we would be on a lift, maybe 50, 60 feet above the ground. And they were building the mountains out of concrete all around us. And you would have the wall in front of you and you're painting and they're shooting concrete with uh, the, the gun hoses and you're painting and you get a chunk of concrete on your mural, right? And there's nothing you can do about it. You take it off, you wipe it down, you clean it off and you keep going. At the end of the day, it looks like there's a bunch of birds in the sky. It's just little bits of concrete that that's Bass Pro Adventures. Yeah. It's kind of like a warrior mentality about, we call it combat art when you're working on that construction site, when you have to use a boom lift and you have to wear all the harness and safety gear and hard hat all day long, and you're really battling all the other trades. It's kind of exciting in a way, but it's, in other ways it can be frustrating. So I kind of miss both. I like working in studio and I like working on site as long as we did at Bass Pro. I liked it. It was fun to be on what I call the home team. So then, and then working for Cabela's and being able to be home. And, and my mom is elderly and she lives on our property here and I help take care of her. So also the opportunity to be close, to go over there several times a day, which I still do, and make sure she's okay. When we worked for Cabela's, that presented itself. You can't believe it. there's flies flying around. Oh, <laughs> you're doing this. Yeah. <laughs> As you're talking, so I started painting for Bass Pro in 2012, I think, and then was on the road for them for a solid two, three years. So everything you're saying, I'm like, yep. And then yeah, there's like the, fo I... the foam that they spray. And it's just, but it is really great, though, to get just have the camaraderie on the mm -hmm. road of just all the different trades of the, and the carpenters and all that. It's just, fun people and like I, I was fun. on there with yeah I was on there with um Melvin and Dave mm -hmm. and so I think they and I know that Melvin and Med mentioned you guys at some point 
And so, yeah, we know a couple of the same people, but yeah, it's, it is a lot just working up high with all the gear on it. It is a lot. <laughs> so I have so many yeah. questions for you about how to install a mural because somebody mentioned that to me. They were like, yeah, Cabela's, they, you paint it in house and then you install it. And I was like, what? I was really young into it. I'm like, that's a possibility. <laughs> like what? It, it <laughs> and it, like, it's cool to travel and go like, we worked in Vancouver and different it parts is. of Canada and it, that was fun. But yeah, I totally get it. <laughs> a little side note too. If you guys ever want to do a video of how to install a mural, I would love that. So if you ever are doing a project like that, I'll help you film it. <laughs> Whatever, I'll help. Well, help we you we, can, we can tell you how we can tell you how to install a mural, but truth be told, it takes three men, and I can't be the other two men anymore. Well, now to do it, uh, oh. and they all do it different, and they all yeah, do it different. Yeah. They all do it different. Um, it, it, okay. It, it's it it takes to do a big to do a big mural and Cabela's murals were twelve by forty five feet generally. It it takes between three and five men to do it because also they're they start twenty feet up. That, the, they're the, not on the yeah, ground. The they're bottom, up in the, the clear. The bottom story. of the mural is about twenty feet above the floor. Yeah. And there'll be a shelf where they put the mounts and then the, the mural goes on the wall. There's no way that I now at 60 am going to handle a roll of canvas that weighs 200 pounds and install it by myself with Linda's help. Yeah. So what Cabells would do is that they would hire professional wallpaper hangers. They had different styles. One company cut it into strips like this. And if you don't supervise, but I mean supervise to the inch what these people are doing, they will, we paint a perfect mural. We roll it up, we deliver it to the site, it's perfect. We unroll it, it's still perfect. As soon as somebody else touches it, it becomes imperfect. So this company cut our mural into all these five foot strips because that's how they did it. Except that out of these 10 strips, they started with number two. And <laughs> two, three, four, five, six, by the time they get to nine and 10 doesn't match like this because this one should have been over on the other side. They had to take everything down, put it up number one, and start again. So things like that will happen. You tur we turned our back to go to lunch. Oh my God. Uh, the product that, that we used is 10 and a half feet high. And the murals are 12. So I would add a strip of 18 inches that was below the shelf. So if this is the wall, you have the shelf, and then we had an 18 inch strip below the shelf so that the seams on the side were only five, six, seven feet. Okay. If you take your eyes off the installer, if this is the mural, okay, if this is the mural and this is the strip, if they hang it in this direction, it won't match. And they, they're, they're up there going, oh, this thing doesn't match. You're like, oh, my God, how could you miss the, the registration marks 
that they, say, they take off the registration they take marks. off the registration marks what are these pieces of tape here for that say registration <laughs> marks you know and these stories could go on forever yeah. there's some people do it some guys there are five of them usually they'll get three or four lifts and they'll, they'll do it in one piece and yep. i love that because it's heavy and it's yeah it's, it's a, hard some, some companies will paste the wall and they'll have the, the mural. Imagine a, a roll of carpet, except it's canvas, and it's a mural. Uh, and they'll start on the upper left-hand side and unroll it like a roll of paper towels and just go across, and they will get out every wrinkle, and it will be taut and level, and, and it will look gorgeous, just gorgeous. And and, and you can't tell it's on canvas because it's so nice. To, you don't, you are not disturbed by the fact that it, it's a piece of canvas. It, it just looks like a, a painted on the wall mural. It's flawless. Anyway, but that's how we do it now. We hire people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody will do it a different way. Some people will use uh, strippable, wallpaper adhesive we installed the cox murals because we were a lot younger when we did that project was done by 1998 it took a while for, for their further marketing of it because it was a fundraiser and we installed those and we also removed them part of the initiative initiative for i try to convince my clients to do to buy their artwork on canvas so that it doesn't get destroyed i realized how much of our work and I by our work collectively as muralists just gets thrown away. I've seen hundred thousand dollars in a dumpster. Yeah. I they'll, have. They'll go up to the wall and start in a corner and peel off the mural, roll it up, fold it, and throw it in the trash can. Yeah. And that in Southern California. So I always encourage my clients to remember that, and we do, we'll do it as a courtesy for them. We'll remove our own murals for them. In fact, I've got all of the Cox Hospital projects stored in my studio and another McDonald's project stored in my studio also. And that's just kind of an homage to the quality of the work and the clients still own it. Cox has repurposed a few of the murals. It's, it's kind of hard to market old art, but it makes me feel better to know that it's not in a dumpster somewhere. You have visited with John Wytock, and he's done incredible, fabulous work in Las Vegas, and I think that the Lux are salvaged some of his murals for him, too. Oh, good. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to need some of the names and phone numbers of the good wall wallpaper installers <laughs> to <laughs> note on this. The client usually provides a wallpaper installer in another state. I gotcha. And okay. everything that we everything we've done has been in another state. So, How does that, so is it mostly interior that you do it that way or can it be done exterior and what kind of fabric do you use is it just a canvas is it a wallpaper what do you what are you painting on we used to use regular cotton canvas and gesso it now there's a product called polymural which is a little it's more synthetic but it's real stable it doesn't shrink regular polymural real canvas shrinks it's polymural exactly polymural is that's it woven fabric just like cotton canvas polymural but the threads are, are, are plastic. 
and then it's primed with gesso, which is also a plastic. And then we paint on it with acrylics, which is a plastic. And if they want a top coat on it, we'll put matte medium or an uh, exterior varnish, another plastic. So now you have an incredibly stable piece of plastic that could be hung on the wall, wallpapered, or even Linda's paintings are a masonite. And I will use mastic to put down linoleum, uh, vinyl flooring, carpet. I'll put two coats on the rough side of the masonite, put the polymural, squeegee it out, next day cut it, that's it. Polymural, you can get from Lake Arts in Atlanta. She's in Atlanta. She's great. Yeah. Just great. If, if your question encompasses what they use on outdoor murals, the big famous outdoor muralist, Meg Seligman and John Pugh and Kent Twitchell, they use a product that they call it both parachute cloth and I believe they also call it polytab. Yeah. We've never done that. I'm looking in the future to maybe do one that way, just as an experiment. We, so. Yeah, if, if you can visualize, bounce fabric softener, sheets, but a little thicker. If you look at the fabric, it's not woven, it's just a bunch of random squirts of plastic, okay? So it's non-woven fabric. It's another name for it because it's not woven. I have taken this product and, and painted signs on exterior quality plywood. I'll put the gesso on, I'll put the non-woven fabric and then gesso on top of that. And the grain of the plywood still the, telegraphs. The surface echoes. Yes, it echoes. And when you paint on it, now you're painting on a real nice surface, but it has that texture of wood under your non-woven fabric that has the coat of gesso on it. That, I like doing that also. Nova Color recommends a product called Novaplex to prime this polytab, but we haven't ever really done it, so we probably shouldn't be just speaking to it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I've just studied it. The real beautiful, gorgeous murals that you see on the side of buildings, they are sometimes painted on the non-woven fabric in the studio and then applied to a brick building with this Novaplex because it's real malleable. You can push it into the brick pattern and it looks like you painted the mural on the bricks, but you were in your studio. So it, there's a, John Pugh, yeah. look, do you know who John Pugh is? Yeah, I worked with him for one day when he was doing a, a marine mural up here in Branson. And I sent another artist up there who had a bit more time and she helped him install and all of that. And I, don't, like, I had just talked to different muralists. He said that it's going to last longer than paint. And then other people are like, I don't know. I just like And what, was he doing it on Polytab? I don't remember that, exactly, but okay. the artist who I sent up there who worked with him for a week, she took a, mm -hmm. took notes on a bunch of stuff that he was using. So I'm 
that's probably okay. it. Oh. But yeah, he is, huh. he is so cool. He yeah, just, nice. the realism and just the, yeah, the realism, the Trump lawyer. I know, <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, I know, it is. that guy understands perspective. <laughs> mm -hmm. you, you look at his work and you're from, from the, the, the point of view where the mural should be seen and, and the viewing distance and you go, wow, this guy understands the vanishing point on the horizon. So he's the person who should probably talk about how, how to do an exterior mural uh, in your studio. Yeah, the, most <laughs> of I've, our I've only met him a couple times. He's not a friend of, of ours. He's an acquaintance and not like John Whitehawk is a friend of ours. We He was with us when we were all in Marv Bream's studio. Yeah. Melvin I, was a friend of ours. So John I only am acquainted with because I'm a groupie for artists, you know, I am. Same. <laughs> I'm, I'm like in love with all of them. <laughs> yeah. So I love being married to an artist. We have so much fun together. And when we work together, it's like a dance. Sometimes people will say, oh, I want to help you. I want to help you. And I'm like, yeah, that's going to slow, that's gonna slow, slow us, us down. down. Yeah. It's kind of mean. It's not very generous, but it does slow us down and of course sometimes people are envious because it looks like we make a lot of money but you have to remember there's two of us so it's two incomes it's not one so there, there's not really anything to envy there because if we were each trying to work independently we would be living in a small apartment somewhere <laughs> that, that's kind of a joke but you understand what i'm saying yeah and it is a business and it is about earning a livelihood and there's the potential there as you get older and you find more sophisticated clients and bigger projects and their vanity to having artwork in a 50 million dollar building there just is your head kind of starts to go oh my god i started out i started out painting little flowers on mat board for frames you know <laughs> and now i'm working in a i have a whole cabela's store that our studio is working for and we're really proud of that yeah it was kind of devastating kind of devastating when the cabela's ended <laughs> oh yeah about bass robot cabela's <laughs> i forgot about yeah. that <laughs> all things come to an end it doesn't all matter things. what it is all things come to an end all all projects all you, clients you, you grow to have a sense of humor about things that are <laughs> in a way they're devastating from a business point of view but that's okay because there's other stuff yeah, yeah no as much as we we don't work as much as we used to we're kind of getting tired i think <laughs> i like oh i bet being se semi-retired no you yeah young people are all coming on and technology is overwhelming for me anyway and I, and I just say, go for it. You guys all need to just get out there and hustle. And I think you're doing an incredible job. And you're all great artists. And I'm like, happy for you and proud, like I'm mama. Because <laughs> you've I'm been mama, there. I'm mama artist. <laughs> yeah, you've been yeah. there. You've done the techniques that you put in the hours to learn how to paint and to do all the different, because I feel like with murals, especially like there's so many different surfaces there's so many different aspects of things you can learn it's just constantly learning and i, I it'll, it'll never be boring it'll never be <laughs> yeah. boring 
you're right. Yeah. You'll always something different. But I invited you guys to come on here. So there's a lot of young muralists here in the group. Young mm -hmm. as in either age or young as in their abilities. They're just starting out. And uh, Taryn just commented on here. And she is a muralist in Alaska just starting out. And she says, you guys are blowing my mind <laughs> with all of your different stories. <laughs> so thank you for sharing all. Because it really is really inspiring to muralists who are just starting out or even in the intermediate level just to yeah. see you guys and what you've all done and I I'm not trying to be go for it <laughs> well I was just gonna say I'm not trying to be Pollyanna there's hard times when the money's not coming in and you're put paying for all your bills on your credit card because you're waiting for your next project but it always comes yeah it, it does it always yeah. comes it's just you just gotta roll with it kind of a thing and how Plan ahead. Your, yeah how, how does your next project usually come like how how do you usually get business in the beginning how did you get business and now is it mostly word of mouth or how does that work it's a lot of word of mouth and like i said we just don't have the same ambition that we had when we were younger and we can hold back a little bit and hope that someone calls and someone usually does. And then also you can develop projects. You can go to a business or someone that you think would really be served by having artwork either inside or outside their building and just politely solicit them without being a used car salesman and do a little comp or show them your portfolio. And if they're resistant, you walk away, say thank you for your time. And many times I've had a restaurant client in Springfield where he was kind of dry, like the brown carpet guy, I call him. And because brown carpet <laughs> won't show the dirt. And oh. I said, hey, I said, let me do something for you for $300. And if you like it and you want more, I'll do more for you. That client ended up on his fifth restaurant, giving me $30,000 to do the restaurant. And I got to do all the design work too. So you don't know, and so you can develop your own clientele that way. And of course, a great designer, if you can find a designer that likes your work and is creative and wants to use, she'll put you in kids' bedrooms and nursery schools and kids' stuff forever. We did some really nice homes at Lake of the Ozarks for a client, and they're homes. And of course, their kids were, at the time, two boys and they were so big and so big and then you did another home and the kids are now older and then you do another home and now they have a younger sister and then you do another of their homes they have a younger sister and then you do the last home and these kids that the first uh, home we did for them was a Harry Potter theme in, in their bedroom now these kids they're like hey roberto yeah i'm going to medical school now i'm going to be a doctor like my uncle and you're like oh my god i remember when it was just you two boys so you have clients that that like you and trust you and they say things to you like you know what i like you know what i like and, and those are the clients that trust you to paint to the best of your abilities and you do that and you do it so willingly because somebody is paying you to paint. It doesn't matter. It really isn't. When, when we were reading some of that, the, the questions that said, what 
made you go from a, a, a hobby artist to a professional. As soon as you get paid for your first job, that's when you start being a professional because that one will lead to another. I remember in high school, the secretary in the English department had a Ford truck, white. And she says to me, how much would it cost for you to paint the Ford four letters on the tailgate red? And I thought, okay, I need one shot paint, masking tape, an exacto knife, I need some brushes. And said, I'll do it for a hundred dollars. And she goes, do it. So I go to her house, I tape off the letters, I cut out, I paint them, wait for the, the, the paint to sit, peel off the, the masking tape. And I made a hundred dollars when I was a freshman in high school in an afternoon. That's when you start to become a professional artist. When you have the exchange of your talent, your product, your painting, your work of art for money, when it's an exchange where both parties benefit, that's when you become a professional artist and you go from one project to another and then you're 18 years old and then you're working for Mark Bream and then you're 25 years old and you're you have your own clients. I always like to tell people that Roberto actually was still in high school when he got his first mural job in the studio where they were painting the $100,000 murals. And Marv, I don't have a ride. And Marv Bream is like, okay, I'll pick you up. <laughs> I don't have a car, man. I'll pick you up. <laughs> so, so the master artist would pick the kid up every day after school and take him to go work in his studio. Yeah, yeah. this guy is sought after, trust me. <laughs> And the other thing which you know that has served him more than anything else to have a business is to be able to do lettering. Lettering. Yeah, it yes. really is. There's just so many times where people will be like, I want a mural. And then can you add this lettering on top of it? I'm like, I'm so, I actually got, got hired for Bass Pro for, to, to do lettering specifically. And I had kind of, mm -hmm. I kind of knew what I was doing, but with so much practice, you got really good at it really fast because mm -hmm. we, we were working 60 hour weeks and yeah, just to have that lettering background and just, that's a totally different thing. So that I think that's so cool that you can also do all of it. Yeah. So if, if you can develop your skills to include that, you have a much more marketable at some point in time, if, if you take it far enough, you're really going to have to play at a real professional level. So the people who have the big projects, that's $100,000 projects, they have to be able to take you seriously. You have to be real. Yeah. You can't be, you can't be, maybe I can do it. Maybe I can show up. Maybe I can get drunk the night before. <laughs> Stuff like that. It, it's going to be to your detriment. And if you're just doing small jobs here and there and, you're kind of flaky that's okay i don't have any judgments about it but i know that when you go into the, the big serious companies and i like working for big serious companies because they just want you to get the job they want done they just want you to get in and out they don't want to micromanage sit there ask you to change it 15 times and then say oh i don't really like it that much do i still have to pay you yeah you changed it 15 <laughs> times yeah <laughs> So. The thing about having a commercial client is this, 
and this is what I like about it. There is a, a location. There is a budget. There is a theme. There is a due date, an opening due date. Due date makes you paint faster and longer and better. When you know that the, the, the store, the restaurant, the home people will be moving into, it's in two days. And you are yeah. going to work till midnight and then say, I can work two more hours and get this done. It's different than when you're in the studio and you're painting and you go, oh, should I put this kind of frame on it? Oh, should I put this color here or there? It's totally different. There has to be a separation between your personal work and your commercial work. Your commercial work is so disposable and you have to detach your personal feelings. We know of a job that was taken down by the owner of the building and the artist is all upset because the owner of the building took down my mural. Okay, one, you were paid for it. That person that owns the building owns your painting. And if they sell the building and the new owner doesn't want your mural there, they can unscrew it off the wall, take it down, and there's nothing you can do about it. You get paid. And then there's the personal paintings, like for Springfield Airport, they had a, an archer called La Cultura, Latin themes. And I had five of my flower paintings in the airport. I sold one to a, a, a collector in Atlanta. I was so happy. And that is when you paint something that was not an invoice generated painting. You just painted the painting. It hung in a gallery. Somebody liked it. Somebody bought it. I just sold two paintings out of a, a gallery at Lake of the Ozarks, another painting at Camdenton from a gallery there. And those are the paintings that you paint because this one, you paint a painting because you want to paint the painting. And if it sells even better, but you have to separate your personal attachment to your commercial work because as soon as you accept that check, it's not yours anymore. Yeah, amen. I, I love that you're saying that because yeah, we are, we're an artist for hire. And I think working for yeah. commercial people That's like Fast Pro Shops too, they would change it all the time <laughs> and just be like, no, we want it over there. Like, And actually, I was going to tell you, I remember I like three or four years ago, I think, or right after they bought Cabela's, there was uh, a painting that was damaged and down in Houston. So they, I went down there to go repair it. And I am pretty sure as, as long as you painted in Houston, I that I repaired one of your no? no? No. Oh, dang it. I hope I was hoping because no. it, it was installed. And so when I got up there, I was like, wait a second. This is not on the wall. This is installed in the five foot strips. So what is this? And so I, dang it. I was hoping that I repaired yours. <laughs> I think it had like water no, damage. They, no, they, they actually had three different artists that they used. So we did, oh. we, we would get our own stores, but we wouldn't get every store. Yeah. You know, okay. both Cabela's and Bass Pro were really growing aggressively in those years. They're doing a bunch of stores every year, and you just can't do them all. You're one, you're one or two people, so. 
yeah. for a while we were trying to do them all and having a bunch of people working with us and it just gets complicated and dicey and egos get involved and it's hard. We had So we realized that we were really making the money when it was just the two of us. And also, you, oh, I'm sorry. That's honey. all right. When you have 11 people that you have to write paychecks to every week, you become less of an artist because now you're more of an administrator. Yeah. You mm -hmm. And you have to set up every artist on this mural, on this mountain, on this tree with these rocks. And you do this and you do this and you do this. And then noon, lunchtime, you have lunch and then you can start painting. Yeah. But you have to set up everybody for their part in the mural. And if you have 11 people doing that, and I don't mean 11 artists, we had somebody mowing the lawn because we couldn't mow the lawn. It, yeah, it, and we didn't make as much money in that circumstance yeah. either, so. Yeah, so, yeah. It, it's yeah. a learning experience. You're gonna learn the hard way we, we, every lesson. We worked in studios where there were 11 other artists but it, it seems like it wasn't as chaotic as it's been for us when we were young. Maybe when we were young because we were on the receiving end of generosity. And I have to stress how generous the people we worked for and with were. They really, we are not formally educated artists. We are taught on the job, on training. The job training, right? And the, those older artists and more experienced artists, they were constantly giving. And part of being given to is to remember to please be humble, shut up and listen. Don't know it all already and try to tell everybody else what. Be quiet and listen and watch what everyone else is doing and you will learn so much more than you ever dreamed. And that was a gift to us and it was given and my master artist, when I was a single mother and I had two small children and I was working for minimum wage, which was $2.10 an hour in 1979. And he just looked at me and he said, all I hope for you is that you will be able to become financially independent of having to be dependent on a man. And I thought, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, he, and it worked. He gave That's me that awesome. gift. Yeah. So, Sorry, what? His, his name, name was? was? His name was Phil Santos. Phil Santos. That's awesome. Yeah, it really is just learning as much as you can. And then eventually when you know a bunch, now it's time to give back a little bit. And That's so true. what is, we'll wrap this up. I've had a great conversation like with you guys just hearing all these different stories. I love hearing mural stories. What <laughs> the one piece of advice that you would give to artists who are just starting out but don't know where to even start with murals. Like they're like, this is so intimidating. Like, where would you start? Yeah, I don't even know if there's those kinds of opportunities exist anymore, but I would start with a really good portfolio. You have to be able to show something. Yeah. Yep. And it can be paintings and maybe you, you can explain one of the things that, that, my, that Phil liked about my answer in my job interview was he said what inspired you to paint this landscape and i said i just made it up and he's like you're hired 
So <laughs> even though I still advocate for always using a reference, yeah. but he liked yeah. the idea that there was somebody that if you didn't have a reference, you could still keep working and hope that you could find a good reference that night or something. But <laughs> so you never know, but that's not the same as going out and finding a client in uh, a, but don't get yeah. discouraged have confidence you, you you know yourself and maybe try to know what your strengths are and, and you might want to hang out with artists oh yeah hang out with artists okay there, there might be organizations like studio 55 in springfield go to first friday art walk go to the creamery meet other artists and See if these are the kind of people you want to hang out and with. And artists actually are generous. I've had a lot of generosity in my early career, too, that if things were slow, and I called someone that I knew and, and just said, hey, do you know of anything going on? Do you know any restaurants hiring artists? Do you know any designers hiring artists? And I found my peer group to be really generous. Yeah, somebody would say, I'm too busy to do this job because I'm doing this one. Why don't you call them and see if they'll hire you? So oh, yeah. it's it's a network of this. You obviously have a lot of people that help you. You pull people in to help you. I see that all the time. And oh, I yeah. think that's fantastic. I love the spirit of generosity that you're inspiring. It's a good thing. Oh, good. Thank you so right, much for that. Hang out with your art buddies. Because yeah. they're your people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're your uh, people. You, you, <laughs> yeah. It, you, you never know what one project would lead to another. We do a small Mexican restaurant in Buffalo, north of Springfield. Then the owners of the McDonald's had lunch there and they said, can you paint a, a, a Route 66 mural for our store in Lebanon? We're like, yeah, okay. So we do that one and they say, okay, we're doing Marshfield and Stratford and we're going to be doing this and this and, 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 then, and then rural missouri magazine did a little article when we were doing that they yeah. had been waiting for us to have a project that we could invite them to do an article about and then a couple of years later osage animal hospital in lake of the ozarks called us and said i've kept this article in my 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 file waiting for the day that we were going to build our million dollar vet clinic and we went and did that and now we take all our pets there to be taken care of because we love them so much. <laughs> this is, <laughs> okay, this is how things can develop. Okay, this is my budget. Can you do this much for this much money? And you're like, yeah, I can. And then they see the, 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 the projects start to develop. And they see you're putting a lot of extra integrity and effort into it yes. too. And then they say, can you put my dead dog here? And you're like, yeah, <laughs> uh, here's a photo of your dead dog. And well, not the dog dead, but you no. know, the dog that the, had died. While it was still alive. <laughs> and then Dr. J says, can you do a portrait of my dad over here with his miniature pincher dog? And then the, 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 the guy in charge of the building project says, can you put my dog, evil black Bart? a black lab over here. We're like, yeah, we can do that. At, at the end, that job came out so nice. And Dr. J gives me a $2,000 tip. So I gave him one of my tractor watercolors that was a top price winner at the state fair. 
it, it just you do often develop relationships with your clients you know yeah and that's good it, it goes on i'm sure you know that you know yeah but like a lot of the artists who listen, I think it's just good to hear that again. Even if we know it, it's just, it's just good to hear that. Like you, you develop a relationship yeah. and people recommend you. And so just and all the children that have become adults, I can't tell you how many children that we painted for <laughs> that we've been to their weddings. I don't know. It's just heartfelt and it always feels good. I can't think of a terrible situation. I did fire one lady one time in California who was crazy. A client. <laughs> she didn't have any children, so <laughs> there was no potential for that relationship to develop then. But overall, it's, it's good to have friendships with your clients after the fact. Yep, so true. That's awesome. We're at our hour mark. Thank you guys so much for coming on and talking to me and giving all of your wisdom and telling stories that we have definitely enjoyed it. We've had a, a couple comments on here. Like you guys are goals <laughs> and we really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you so much. I'm glad we were able to do the technology. <laughs> Get it yeah, done. this was smooth. Uh, I remember one of the, the questions that you sent was, what do you, you know, need to paint? And Linda's thinking, reference, good reference. And I'm thinking, rock and roll, man. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Tech, te techno or disco will do. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> you too. I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks again okay. for connecting. All right. Have a great rest of your Bye. week. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Bye. Just another reminder that I have created an extra special training for you to learn how to grow your art business quickly using murals like I have. If you're listening this summer and thinking, okay, let me see what this mural thing is all about. Or if you're wondering if you could possibly paint large scale too, then go to artistacademy.co to learn how you can start making money in the mural biz. The majority of my income comes from murals and I want to help you get started too because I know how profitable they can be. So go to artistacademy.co to claim your free training and I will see you next week. <laughs>